Hello and welcome to the True Blue LA podcast. Jacob Birch, Eric Steven, here to talk about uh, Dodgers baseball. Yay! Um, yeah, so uh, Jacob, uh, we are officially uh, talking about a playoff team. Playoffs? Uh, yeah. If, I don't know if that's surprising uh, to you, but yeah, the Dodgers actually qualified, uh, so they didn't, uh, yeah, after that bad week, they didn't lose out and lose out on the playoffs. An so, interesting yeah, week. In. The, we, two weeks ago, we had an extremely good uh, week. Dodgers had one loss, but just looked extremely on fire. Had kind of a sour week last week, a lot of uh, frustrating things to talk about. And I, mostly a good week, I think, between the last time we recorded with with some downbeat notes. So a little, little kind of mixed together. And we're yep. gonna cover all of that with the normal Dodgers rewind and questions from Craig, uh, with maybe some more more notes. All of that after this. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh baby, Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Turns and conditions apply. We're recording this on Friday evening, and the Dodgers are currently playing. Is this the first time we've recorded and been at risk for disseminating a, a game? I want to say we did it one other time, but I don't remember when. I yeah. suppose I could look back at the recorded dates. And if, I don't... if we did, it might have been like near the at the very end of the beginning. This is just right, right in the middle. It's um, yeah. a middle inning. I don't want to get too close, but um, yeah. So the Dodgers and Coors uh, are 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 in Coors uh, after a series at Petco Bark. That was a fun series. Yeah, it was like a. Um, I was like, it was exciting, right? Like that the, they are like the Dodgers and Padres. I you could make an argument for the Braves, um, I suppose, but I think the Dodgers and Padres are basically like the two best teams in the National League, or at least have played like it this year. Um, and and like that was uh that was a fun series like just like the excitement around it however it was like weird because well okay for one like the Dodgers and Padres are almost never good at the same time the well the Padres like their history isn't as good as the Dodgers obviously but like when they're good the Dodgers were kind of bad and like i think i looked it up i in their history which Padres began in 1969 um I think uh, in September, both teams were within five games of first place when the Dodgers and Padres played like five times, or this was like the fifth time. So like it barely ever happens, right? Um, but at the same time, this is the weirdest like playoff year ever. Mm -hmm. And because of the structure of the playoffs, the Dodgers and Padres are kind of locked in in all, like the same path right now, like almost no matter what happened, like one of them is going to be the one seed. The other one's going to be the four seed as the 
the second place finisher with the best record. The Padres, as we as we speak, have the second best record in the National League right now. Um, so, and the way the uh, we'll get to the playoff format in a second, but like there's there's very very little advantage to being one or the other, uh, given how it plays out. Um, so, like it was, I think more than anything, and I think this showed in a couple ways. That was it was like a series for pride, in a way. Like you know, the Dodgers they obviously want to win the division. But even they were saying, like, um, you know, Dave was like, Dave Roberts said, uh, you know, there's no real incentive the, the way the system is set up. Not that they're not trying, but it's like, uh, it's just weird. We'll get into the playoff format in a little bit. But so the the one of the reasons why it's it's they're kind of the same is that after the, the three division leaders at the moment, the Braves and the Cubs, plus the Dodgers and then the Padres, like, the rest of the National League is crap. Like, it's there's there's just like a morass of mediocrity. Like uh, after the fourth seed, and so there there's teams fighting for like the fifth through the eighth seed, and then if you go like if you go down, um, the, basically the difference between fifth and twelfth is almost negligible right now. So like the Dodgers as the one seed would play the eight seed in the first round, the Padres would play the five seed, but there's not a lot of difference between the five and the eight right now. So it's kind of like the same series. That's why it's it's a little weird. However, uh, you like right away you could tell the series mattered because the first game was was a really fun like pitchers. The Nelson Lamet was great. It was it um, was the great fr- front half of a uh, doubleheader almost. Like yeah, just oh, right. at the very yeah. end of it. <laughs> yeah, like imagine if it was a seven inning game. But like, but all it was also the it was like a. Script a Clayton Kershaw playoff yes. game. You know, like it, the game was one to one into the seventh, and it was it was one nothing Dodgers for a while until uh, Trent Grisham uh, tied the game with a like a really majestic home run, really, and like immediately like turned and like started yelling stuff at his own dugout. They were celebrating, which is great. Whatever, it's fine. But like the Dodgers took offense to that. Like Dave Roberts yelled from the dugout, "Run!" like to him. Uh, and uh, then the other Dodgers started yapping at him, and then Grisham like yelled back, and I, I think he flipped off the Dodgers dugout. I'm not. Uh, Dave Roberts mentioned that on the Joe Davis and Oral Hershiser podcast. Um, so like there were words back and forth. It wasn't. It didn't escalate to the point of like the Fernando Tatis like swinging 3-0 um, move in Texas earlier this year, where like um, it, it got to the point where everyone's like, "Oh, you're breaking the unwritten rules." Dave Roberts did have a quote post game that I kind of bristled at because he was like, you know, someone with the stature of Kershaw, he needs more respect. Like, whatever. Like, yeah, that was a little much. Like, it's it's always like um, it's so it's like annoying that baseball is so like committed to like tamp down the fun. Right. So, however, that said, like, I I completely um like I'll enjoy in fact the the point that where both teams are like jawing at each other and like there's actual like rivalry on the field and like and it didn't it didn't and the best part it, it didn't like devolve into like people throwing it uh people right so like that's like the best of both where they just settled it on the field it was it was like a fun like sort of rivalry type moment and that was fun but also roberts was really just sticking up for kershaw i think in that regard and it, like it wasn't he wasn't saying like you know, play the game the right way. He, he kind of did, but it, it was like tame, I think, relatively. That said, you know, there was nothing came of it, so that that's like the best part of all of this. Um, but then you saw the Dodgers like the next two days. Uh, the Padres ended up rallying late and won that game. Oh, the reason it was a Kershaw scripted playoff game is because um, he left with two runners on in the seventh. Uh, it was like he, I think he had his most swing and misses in three years, and that game was like twenty one. And like 18, we're on the slider. He was looking great. Uh, he leaves with two runners on in the seventh, one-one game. Uh, Pedro Baez comes in, lets both inherited runners score. Um, so, uh, you know, pretty much that—that's like your classic October nightmare scenario that we've seen like in in numerous years in the past. But anyway, the Padres won that game. But the next couple games, the Dodgers were like. They were like hooting and hollering from the dugout. You could hear because there's nobody in the stands. You could hear on the broadcast, like any time they did something good, and it, and they actually did a lot well in those last two games. The offense uh, picked it up a little bit, uh, but also like Tony Gonsolin was great. 
Um, and then Dustin May was not hurt, which was we were sort of worried about that last week because he got hit in the foot. Um, but he made he he made his outing. They did an opener that was kind of weird. We'll we'll get to that in a little bit. But um, yeah, it was a so it was a fun fun series. And the way it's set up, uh, so the Dodgers left San Diego, or I guess the May, San Diego was off Thursday. The Dodgers won their opener in Colorado, so they entered today with a four game lead with nine to play. So the division is theirs for the taking, right? The magic number, uh, as we're recording this, is five. Um, by the time this comes out, it could be even lower. It's looking like they're going to win the National League West. So they're going to, and they're going to probably be the one seed, and the Padres are going to probably be the fourth seed. And if they both win in the wild card round, they'll play in an NLDS, which is great. Like that would be really fun. Um, so. No, importantly, the Dodgers will have home field advantage in Texas. <laughs> That's right. So they'll, they'll, uh, their their division series would be in Arlington. Basically, if the Dodgers are the I'm one, I'm really seed, glad it's not in Houston. Yeah. So because <laughs> so, oh, one of the the, the, the other NLDS of three the three seven versus or sorry three six versus two seven winner NLD, NLDS that's in Houston. But if so, for the Dodgers, if they're the one seed, all of their remaining playoffs are in Arlington. If they keep winning, so because uh, the NLCS is there, the World Series is there, and then their NLDS would be there. So get used to that coconut husk like weird <laughs> thing at, at, on every like ground ball. But yeah, so but there's a couple other weird things about that series, right? So um, I'll just get to it now, I guess. So Dustin May started the last game of the series, or he didn't start. He he pitched. <laughs> they they did an opener, right? Like. Um, they were a little worried about his foot. They didn't know exactly how long he was going to go. He ended up going five and a third. Basically, what, what I start. love about this is so that yeah. happened, right? They they yeah. they led with they led with Bruzdar, and yeah. then they got May in. I'm like, oh, this is a great way to get around the stupid win rule. And then they still didn't give him the win. <laughs> yeah, and it was be it was really because it, it's not like default, but it kind of is. Uh, the Dodgers took the lead with the second pitcher in the game, like Caleric. Uh, right. came in and then the second so like in a normal circumstance had like they've been leading when Caleric came in I think May would have got the win it's it's that's why it's there's no <laughs> there's no real logic to it but like so the point the point is so like they were the Dodgers saw fit in their biggest series of the year uh to experiment a little in the last game the Padres um they maneuvered they had uh two games uh delayed by COVID over the weekend so they had a chance to sort of shuffle their rotation, and they did so where the, the Dodgers didn't face Clevenger. The Dodgers have never faced Clevenger. Um, and that was a little gamesmanship, I think, to get them to not um, see him before a potential division series matchup. So there's a little gamesmanship there, but that led to a situation where they also moved Chris Paddock, who was dealing with an ankle thing, to Friday. So they, the Padres went with a bullpen game on Wednesday in their biggest series of the year. So, like, it, it mattered, but it – it kind of didn't, you know, like, like it was, it was, it mattered sort of, right? Like that, that's, that's why it was weird. So while we're talking about this, how it's like, uh, if they meet again, it'll be in Arlington. The playoff schedule was released uh, this week. Um, it's, it's kind of, you know, we, we've, we've sort of talked about it before, but the, the wild card series is best of three. It's at everyone's home park. So the Dodgers will be at Dodger Stadium. Um, and it starts Wednesday, uh, the 30th, which is the, the AL starts on Tuesday, the 29th, which which means there's, um, <coughs> excuse me, uh, two days or one. There's one guaranteed day of eight games of baseball, which is uh, that is eight games. of Well, you can't watch all of them like by themselves. So like that's it's just going to it's it's like it, it's the closest thing baseball will ever come to the NCAA tournament um, with all the like those important games on at the same time. And then if if how depending on how many AL series go game to third game, you could have a second day of eight games. So it's it's a little weird. Um, but yeah, the American League is coming to Dodger Stadium and Petco. Dodger Stadium will only host a division series. Petco gets the uh, a division series and the NLCS or ALCS, excuse me. Um, <clears throat> and we talked about the Dodgers and uh, NL teams going to Texas. The weird part about the schedule is there's no off days in series. So you're basically um, in a situation where it's the it's the closest thing 
playoff baseball has ever been to regular season baseball in like MLB history, really. Um, there's there's a few days off in between the wild card round and the division series, so like it does like I think um, the game one starter, whether it's Kershaw or Bueller, uh, could start game one of the division series um, on I believe five days rest. So it, so it allows for that, right? So you're not like completely like screwed over um, based on that. But there's it's just five potentially five uh, games in five days, and the uh, the championship series and world or, sorry championship series is seven games in seven days, which that is going to be nuts. Um, and then the world series goes back to like the normal off days, two three two, which is uh, I I mean I get it. I think that's for more um, capitalizing on TV probably there but uh it's it's gonna be weird and i but i think so the dodgers who are you know one of the have one of the deepest like pitching staffs you would think that that would be one be a place where one of their advantages lie so like in game like three or four of the division series not only are you like have you have a tired bullpen but your starter is is not as you might not be as good whereas the dodgers can keep trotting out like you know five pretty good starters like the whole series so it's going to be exciting and weird uh but uh just different than kind of anything we've ever seen mentioned the experimenting in that last game is this experimenting going to carry over into the playoffs like the dodgers pitching staff sort of took some like minor hits i guess like both both starters and relievers over the last two weeks and it's kind of in an odd spot yeah like so so i guess they're not going to um i guess you know they're not gonna like decide on the rotation they've basically like the only thing that would stop them from going kershaw bueller or bueller kershaw in games one and two is bueller's blister at this point and like he hasn't he's going to only make one regular season start uh, before the playoffs at most uh right he's starting i think this weekend at some point at usc he's not on the road trip with them um just doing a sim game i think going like six innings and then he's going to prop start one of the games in the last week of the year I, my guess is they'll go kershaw one and bueller two uh but that's just a guess at this point and then after that it's like i don't know they, they said they're not going to decide, but then it also gets to the point, like, I think part of that where where they did an opener for May, you could see them doing that in the playoffs with any of the th- other three guys because they've had short leashes for them, like, all year. Um, so I don't know who, like, if, if I had to pick right now, like, if you just asked me to pick who should start game three, I would, uh, in, in like the wild card round, because it's only three games, I would go Gonsolin at this point. I think he's been the best of the three. Um, the argument you could make for Dustin May, because he's been close, is that he is the least likely to thrive in like a, a shorter relief role, just given what he did. Uh, he could, he would be okay. But like, um, I think I would go with Gonsolin. In, as a starter for game he's three, looked really good. They gave yeah. you mentioned that like this guy's not really getting a long leash. They gave him that long leash. Now, granted, that was with them knowing the bullpen game was coming. So right. Well, uh, and also there we're we're watching we're right now watching a game. The Dodgers are doing a bullpen game tonight too. So like, uh, it's <laughs> it's a lot of bullpen games. Bullpen game at Coors is uh, <laughs> it, it, it is certainly an idea. Um, but it, it's yeah, it's it's weird. But and then also the other thing is like. Uh, you might even see like an opener with Julio Urias because <laughs> he, he's allowed 10 runs in the first inning. And like it, so Robert's big thing is uh, I went and looked like the velocity wasn't that off last night, but he's mentioned that where sometimes Julio will come in and throw like 90, 91 in the first inning. Then he gets into his stuff and he's like 93, 94 or maybe higher. He's sort of mentioned that with Kenley too at times. And like the challenge is like getting him to come out just firing right away. Um, and I think that's the issue. I don't know if you solve that. Do you have Urias like throw like an inning in, in the bullpen um, before he comes into the game just to sort of get that adrenaline pumping? And then you have a reliever start the game for an inning. I don't know, but it wouldn't put, a, put it past them to try that. Um, 
in the playoffs, but uh, it'll be weird uh, because he had a start last night, like first uh, five hitters, three hits, two runs. Um, and then after that, like I think he retired like 13 straight. And the only one that reached uh, for him after that was someone on an error. So he's really good. And like, he's been mostly really good, uh, but it's just like getting into the rhythm of the game. Like see, he's only allowed like, so, so those 10 first inning runs, but then after that, nine runs in 39 innings. So, like, it's weird. Uh, so they could, like, mix and match stuff. Roberts did mention liking, like, the opener um, about, I don't know, like, just because it, it there's times when you can do matchups. Um, so, like, I don't, depending on the lineup, let's say it's, um, say it's Urias, right? Uh, but then a team has, like, is stacked at the top of their lineup with, like, three or four, maybe three right-handers, out of the first four, maybe you start like a right-hander in the first inning and then bring Urias in right after that. And then it, so it solves sort of two issues there. I don't know. That, that's, I think it's, they're open to that. I don't know uh, what's going to happen, but then, uh, so you talked about they're, they're doing the bullpen game. Uh, so they got Joe Kelly back. He pitched last night uh, serving after serving a suspension. Pedro Baez is back. He's been like, okay. Like he did allow those uh, inherited runs. Uh, hasn't been the best, but like, is I think if as long as he's healthy, he's going to play like an important role, pitch it in important innings, like he sort of usually does. Um, the one big blow though was Caleb Ferguson. Uh, Tuesday night uh, in San Diego, he struck out uh, his first hitter three pitches, but on the third pitch, sort of grimaced, felt something in his elbow. Uh, within a few days, it was reported that, uh, or he found out via MRI. Uh, torn UCL. Uh, he's going to have Tommy John surgery again. He had it six years ago uh, in, as a senior in high school, right before the Dodgers drafted him. So, like, that's it's brutal. Um, and like, because he's he was, I, I know we talked. He like he allowed home runs in like three straight games recently. But even with that, he was one of their like best and most trusted relievers. Like strikeout rate great. Doesn't really walk anybody. Uh, it was really effective against both sides, uh, and it's just a bummer because uh, he's. I mean, you have to think he's going to miss like this year and next year. So like that's, it just sucks, you know? Now, before we get to trivia, you have one more note for us. Yeah. So we talked about like them sort of experimenting and possibly doing stuff in the playoffs. So a couple, about a week and a half ago, the Dodgers started Austin Barnes at catcher and they had Will Smith DH that game. And, you know, managers are usually like, oh man, we, we can't use that second catcher because what if we lose him? And then, then we don't have any catchers, you know, like it's just, they're always scared of that. Uh, uh, I asked Dave Roberts about that this week. He's the way Will Smith is hitting. Uh, he's like one of the best hitters on the team. Um, and he's going to DH tomorrow that we're recording this on Friday. He's going to DH Saturday. Barnes is catching Kershaw again, and he's probably going to catch Kershaw like every playoff start. And it, there's a decent chance that Smith is going to DH when Barnes catches. Not maybe not every game, but like some games, uh, and, and that's good. I seem to recall this coming up. Yeah, and I uh, last I think, week, and somebody said, "Will Smith well, might <laughs> give me this, Eric." You, you, I will give you credit for that. I was just say my my stance on that was I just I think also that Will Smith will just play more like a catcher. But there's also the the thing of like not burning him out, you know, sure. which is the normal thing. But also, um, it, the the no off days part really makes it where you you kind of almost have to play like the backup. They were all they were always going to have Barnes catch. I would imagine the Kershaw starts anyway, or at least once every like three or four games, you know. So like. Uh, this isn't that surprising, but like to get Smith's bat in there, as long as he's not like tiring, that would be great. Cause that was part of the problem last year. They like, he was sort of run down at the end of the year and like slumped in September and October. So like, if they could just keep him as long as he's like healthy and like productive, like sure. Get his bat in there because that's one of the better like uh, hitters they have. All right. Trivia. Yep. Uh, so we had a major league debut this week. Uh, we did. Zach McKinstry, uh, first of all, he, he had a great quote. Uh, he was called up earlier this year uh, for a day. It was the last day of the road trip, also in San Diego. And then, but it was, um, it was more for coverage and he ended up not playing that game. Uh, and he got sent back. And then 
He's been on the taxi squad for, I think, almost every road trip. I think maybe one he didn't go on. So he like he's like been around, right? Like he's been around the the club, the clubhouse, the the dugout, uh, just around the team most of the year, at least or like half the year, I would say. And I asked him like, did that make it easier uh, for your for major league debut because he finally made it on Wednesday? Um, but he was like, no. Uh, he compared it to an amusement park ride. He's like, imagine you're waiting in line and you're like the third or fourth person uh uh back and you're about to go on your ride and then they shut the ride down Indiana and then you have Jones, to, this happened and then, you, and, then, and then you have to wait three or four weeks or a month and then you can't go on your ride anymore and he's like that's how he compared it he's like it made me more nervous <laughs> i thought that was really funny so like uh and also it reminded me of the time i went to magic mountain i i'm not a big roller coaster guy because i'm a big scaredy cat uh but we a friend of mine uh naveen and i went on Colossus, I believe, fifteen times in a row because that like no one was going on Colossus. This was like nineteen ninety four ish, so like they had like probably the Batman ride and some other cool rides and stuff. But nobody was going on the big wooden roller coaster anymore. So like we would go, we went in the, on the roller coaster, we get off, walk around to the line, and then it took like you know three minutes to get to the front of the line again, and then we just kept going on over and over and over again, and it was really fun. So I had the opposite of Zach McKinstry's experience in making his major league debut. But when he made his major league debut, uh, he was the ninth Dodger that were uh, or ninth player, excuse me, drafted by the Dodgers in 2016, drafted and signed by the Dodgers in 2016 to make the majors. That's tied for the most in any one draft by the Dodgers to make the majors. Can you can you name the other two years they had nine players? We'll see after this. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. So I've had to strike a balance on these trivia questions because if I don't re- like don't look into them at all before we go on air, it, it, it can create a lot of dead air while I think about things. Yeah. And, uh, I might find some interesting things, things to talk about um, uh, in doing research, but I also don't want to just like look up my answer, look up the answers. So yeah, uh, I think I found a good balance here in that I I was. I'm going to be blind guessing on one, and I have no idea what it is. I have I have a kind of guess on era, but I could be wrong. And I ha- I know the other one, but I did not know the year. I knew it was because we've talked about it on Dodgers Rewinds probably eight times at this point, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I knew it was the uh, Garvey and Ron Say draft. So I uh, I, I, I hope I'm right. <laughs> I, I was assuming, I guess. I know it's regarded as a very great draft, but I guess I don't know if it fits this specific criteria. So is is your your guess nineteen sixty eight? That is that is one of my guesses. Yes, uh, that is not correct, <sighs> man. So yeah, I guess I guess I have nothing. Okay, uh, <laughs> before and I uh, want to know why. I want to know how this happens. Okay, well I can tell you this. So I figured you the could. draft the draft rules were weird. That, <laughs> it, it, there was like three drafts before, mm, like and there was we- the. June there's the June draft which is the normal draft that's the one they have now. There was a June secondary draft for a while and a January secondary draft. <laughs> so like 68 is like the best draft year any team has ever had in terms of like just future production, right? Um 
but so the Dodgers one particular draft produced. In I will tell you in in the June draft of '68, the Dodgers drafted and signed six players uh, who made the majors. Um, Bobby Valentine was first round. Um, their second round was Bill Buckner. Um, let's see the other. Uh, Joe Ferguson was eighth round. Doyle Alexander was ninth round. Uh, Bob Gallagher was seventeenth round. Tom Pashorek was fifth round. But if you go, the, like, also the the big ones that year were from the other. Uh, I'm going to look <laughs> them up. So June secondary uh, that year, they also <laughs> they added a, a couple fellows named Ron Say and Steve Garvey, mm-hmm. and they also added Sandy Vance. So we are up to nine there. But again, it's the it's single draft. So in the January draft in 1968, let's just. Uh, add this they also oops that's the wrong one see even more there, there was the there's been the january and the january secondary draft so it's always weird looking these up but uh the january secondary draft that year the dodgers also added a fellow named uh davy lopes also greg zahn or excuse me jeff zahn um <laughs> the pitcher um so that's 11 so obviously really good really good draft the, like three quarters of the infield um just great uh but in terms of the not single, answer this question, draft. see, and this is why I look it up because I'm still gonna be wrong, but I yeah. feel like a more educated wrong. I, I will give you a hint, uh, and it's a hint only for you for now, because they the rest of the listeners don't know this yet. But our uh, our Dodgers rewind was drafted in one of the answer years. Okay, uh, I'm can scroll down the show notes. No, so. Uh, I uh, so we're looking you, at like a late eighties or early nineties draft, pretty much. Uh, ninety. Mm, okay, mm. so I'll, I'll just give you the answer. So, uh, is another was, one in the aughts? That's my other question. Yes. So that see that that's the, the other thing you could sort of almost default to um, is the one of the two great Logan White drafts. Um, uh, so you had two thousand two, mm-hmm. uh, and then two thousand three. Uh, 2003 was one of the years that had nine. No, the key players... I was going to guess it. Ah, it's oh, on my right, notes. It's on sorry. my notes. Uh, so the the key players that year were Matt Kemp, Chad Billingsley, AJ Ellis, uh, eventually. They also drafted Mark uh, Millencone Milling, or Mark Melanson, excuse me. Uh, but they didn't, <laughs> they didn't. They drafted him out of high school but didn't sign him. So that, no, it was... that, that would have been an interesting attempt. Like, Interesting to look it up because the Wikipedia reviews of drafts are really good because they only pull out notable players, so uh, it wasn't a way to cheat, but it kind of reminded me which one was which. Because in my, I the I'm not mapping drafts to years yeah, so much as right. like oh the Matt Kemp draft or the the um the in the Andy Laroche draft, if you will. That, uh, he was he was one of the players yeah. in 2003. And so, for instance, in 2002, they have they list more Dodgers, but I still, even though that was the case, I was going to go with 2003. Yeah. Uh, had had you let me? Sorry, jerk. Uh, but then also the other year, uh, 1988. Um, it was. Uh, <laughs> it's so often it's the answer yeah. to everything. Damn it! The, the, the <laughs> I didn't two, want to go with it. <laughs> the two the two big names were like the uh, Carol, Eric Carlos wasn't a first rounder, but. Um, Sort of more towards the top of the draft, and then uh, a certain sixty-second rounder, uh, Mike Piazza, was in that draft. So they they drafted and signed nine players that year. Um, that made I, the major. I have a trivia question for you before we move yes. on. Yes. Yep. Yep. Uh, can you name? I'm trying to see. There's six players. No, oh. it, I I won't phrase it. Uh, uh, no, I, I I got it. In the 2004 draft, can you name the one notable player drafted by the Dodgers uh, who did not sign? In in 2004? Yeah. Oh yeah, that's um, Hoshaver. Nope. That was not? In, that was in 03 oh, and 05. So yeah, 04 I mean, and 05. 04 no, or was 05 because of that. He went number one in 06. Because then, then that oh three and oh five, right? Because he they drafted him twice. I remember this was oh, like, yeah, uh, but like one of them was <laughs> like a was like a, a flyer. Like in oh five was like legitimately we're going to sign this guy because yeah, he's a high pick. And then uh, so oh four. Um, oh, let's see. Uh, I'm I have trying a to think. Big there hint was, to give you. Hold on. Oh um, four. Oh four. Oh four. So I want to say. 
that was the Blake DeWitt year. Um, and I can't remember which year was the Alex White year. Uh, but I don't know if he, he would warrant this kind of trivia question. Oh, 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 four um, is Goldschmidt. Nope. David Price. There you go. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I was thinking, yeah. All right. Good. <laughs> uh, 02 was the other year they took a flyer on Hoach. Just to okay. get that out there. All right. Dodgers rewind. 88 so, draft. Uh, Gary Ingram was, in fact, drafted by the Dodgers in 1988 in the 43rd round as a catcher. He did not sign, though, so he doesn't count as one of the nine. Um, <laughs> however, the, they drafted him again in 1989 in the 44th round, and he's like, Ooh. you know what? I'm, I'm not going to pass this opportunity up again. I don't want to get this to go to the 45th Fifth round. round yeah. <laughs> That's just embarrassing. <laughs> so, uh, But before Caber uh, uh, Ruiz uh, in – uh, earlier this year, when he homered in his first major league bat, the last Dodger to do it was Gary Ingram in uh, uh, May 19th, 1994 at Coors Field. The Dodgers are currently playing at Coors Field, also relevant. Um, now, what makes this weird is it's hard to search on baseball reference because you would like normally, I, I think most cases for like a player making their um, major league debut or like. Um, Hitting their home run in their first major league at bat, it's probably going to come in their first major league game. Um, however, Gary Ingram uh, was a pinch runner. I'm sorry, no, not pinch runner. He was defensive replacement in the ninth inning in his first game on May 15th that year. So if you look up like home run in first career game, that's how I would normally search for like this sort of a thing. So it, it doesn't always come up with that. Um, so you just sort of have to know that he did and he did. Um, but that was kind of like his most notable thing. So he's drafted as a catcher, never really played catcher. He never played catcher in the big leagues. He mostly, he was mostly an infielder, uh, started 24 times at second in his parts of three seasons with the Dodgers had an 86 OPS plus decent on base guy. He was 261, 340, 345. He hit three home runs in his first 22 games in 94 and then none in his last 60 games. So he only played with the Dodgers in the majors. I, I have sort of a, uh, no, this isn't really a trivia. I'm just going to state this. So in 1997, uh, Gary Ingram was four for nine. Uh, you wanted he, me to guess four for nine? Uh, no, well, <laughs> I, I because I looked this up because he also had a walk, I think. And um, so he had 10 plate appearances. So I, was, I looked up the best Dodgers batting average with 10 plate appearances. The best one uh, is uh, someone named Frank Scaff for Brooklyn <laughs> in 1935. He was six for 11, 545. Uh, Previous uh, old, uh, Dodgers rewinds uh, just last week, I believe, or two weeks ago, Cody Ross was seven for 14 in 2006, and they DFA'd him. And uh, Rafael Bornegal was nine for 18 in 1993. He ended up taking over for an, uh, another uh, Dodgers rewind, uh, Jose Offerman at shortstop in 94. Uh, and also Jose Offerman was the last before Gary Ingram to hit a home run in his first major league bat. So these are all very intertwined. Uh <laughs> Joe Thurston, back when the Dodgers didn't really have good prospects and he was their best prospect, uh, he was 6 for 13 in 2002. Uh, Matt Hurgis, who played for every team in the National League West, who was a pitcher, was 4 for 9 in 2001. Uh, and he, he also had a, a, another plate appearance, so he had 10. Now, none of those are related to this trivia question. However, uh, I have another trivia question for you. Entering, <laughs> ent entering Friday... Max Muncy is hitting um, 194, 332, 389, but that's a 96 OPS plus. So what Dodger had the lowest batting average with enough plate appearances to qualify with a 100 OPS plus or better? Do I get a hint at all? I, well, okay, I'll give you this hint to start. Because um, I'm going to default to like, well, uh, no, I, I don't know, like OPS plus, like that, okay. Yeah, no, so go ahead. I, I was like, if if Muncie gets to a hundred, uh, at a batting average closish to where he is now, he'll have the record. Okay. Uh, it's it's not it's some they hit over two hundred. Is this a recent uh, pl player? It it is. Is it Jock Peterson? It is. Yes. His his oh my season. god! I got a question right. Uh, 2015. He walked 92 times that year, so he had he actually had a 346 on base, but he hit 210. 
26 home runs. The oh. bulk of those were in the first half. Uh, that was a weird year. I wanted to guess Adam Dunn, which, and then I'm like, okay, that doesn't make, that doesn't so he, work. He, he, yeah. He's not a Dodger. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, like who's uh, the Adam Dunniest Dodger? So I, and then, but I, so I, I searched this in, in like qualifying plate appearance, but then I was thinking, are there like weird seasons? Because like this season, even if you're qualifying, uh, Muncie has like 215 plate appearances today. So like that's not that many. Um, but um, so I looked, I, I shortened it to like just minimum 200 plate appearances and Jock still leads. Uh, <laughs> Greg, Greg Brock is second in 1983. He hit uh, 224. That had to be a just he was like hated because he replaced Steve Garvey. But also, like no one appreciated like OPS. No one knew what OPS was like. That. <laughs> but like he he walked and hit enough homers to like you could argue he was more productive offensively than Steve Garvey for like a couple years. But he had the low batting. It just didn't look as good, right? So like that was a tough road to hoe for him. But when I lowered it to 200 plate appearances, he had another year. Uh, like I think it was 85 that also qualified. I think it was either second or third. So like he he was sort of the quintessential player. Then, but then it gets there's a bunch of like uh, not that low batting average. Bob Carruthers, well, this is 1888, so he hit 230. That really shouldn't count. Uh, but Wes Parker hit 238 in 1965 and had 100 OPS plus. That was also the 60s, so it's weird. Uh, Yasmani Grandal in 2018 hit 241 with a 121 OPS plus. So uh, there's some weird years, but not those aren't terribly low batting average. Jock at 210 certainly qualifies. Um, so yeah, it's it's been it's been a weird year uh, for a lot of the Dodger lefties. Um, uh, Corey Seager's been like MVP level, uh, but the other three like main lefties have been off, and it's but yet they still have the major uh, best record in the majors. So it's been a weird year. Not weird at all. Will be us answering oh. these questions, Craig. We love them. That was a professional lead-in. It was. You're getting really good at that. I, I mean, know. you're not. You're not getting really good at it. You're just good at that. Naturally, like you're the king, king of the segues, Jacob Birch. Question A: As of this writing, there are four potential regular season milestones the Dodgers can reach in the next nine games. How many should be celebrated, professional, uh, by the team and their fans? Clinching playing at Dodger Stadium for the wild card, aka first round of the playoffs. So they've they've basically already done that. Uh, because well, yeah, they just have to be in the top four seeds, right? So like I'm I'm just I'm just glancing at the standings right now. So they're at worst they would lose the division and then compete with the other second place teams. So right now, in fact, yeah. So Miami. Um, entering today, twenty-five and twenty-four, um, and the Dodgers already have thirty-six wins. So I think at worst the Dodgers are the fourth seed. So they've already accomplished that. But in terms of celebrating, nah. no, that's yeah. that, that's just a thing. Um, so like it, it's it's like ancillary. Uh, so yeah, go on. Clinching eighth straight NL West title. Yes. So that, that's the one. Like that's the main one. Uh, now, what was weird, uh, a week or so ago, I was sort of digging into this, and Robert was like, we, we want to celebrate every step of the way. Justin Turner said the same stuff. Uh, and, like, you know, every chance they get. And I'm on that uh, train, too. Like, team celebrate. Like, always celebrate. Like, anyone who's like, oh, well, it's not the, the big ring. They're wasting all this energy. Like, no, no. It's all about you. Everything is – all these things are very difficult to do. You never know exactly how far you're going to go, so celebrate when you can and um, just enjoy it. But um, that, that said, when they clinched the a playoff spot on Wednesday in San Diego, like almost nobody knew. Like they, they like found out like in the dugout of their clubhouse, and they're like, "Oh, all right, we're in." Like, like, oh, okay. So like, uh, also Major League Baseball this year, they're like banning alcohol uh, from the celebrate. So they're not going to have the wild celebration. They want to do like on field stuff, I guess. Um, but they're going to celebrate pretty big, I think, when they win the division. Um, but in terms of like, uh, break out the yeah, Marinellis, but, but yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, they didn't. So they they said they were going to like celebrate making the playoffs, but like they barely knew about it. So it's like, yay, we made it. That's better. <laughs> That's better. 
the next is clinching the best record in the National League. So they're gonna they're gonna basically do that roughly the same time they win the division. Um, but that's not they're not gonna like do anything for that. That'll just be like a cool we did that yeah. like yeah. So that that's not a, that's not a like jump or jumping for joy stuff. Clinching the best record in the majors. No, because that doesn't do anything. Like the <laughs> everything's at a neutral site. Um, so, like I, I mean, technically, I guess you get to bat last if you're in the World Series. So in in you know games one, two, six, seven. So like there is some advantage, but like that that's not something you're like you know that they're not gonna. That's not a celebratory thing. It would be. We talked about this. It would be more celebratory <laughs> for my heart if the. Uh... If the ten, the extra innings rule was still in place, but it's not. So, oh, there you go. Batting first with that is just ugh. as noted before. Jacob and Eric, uh, you're in parentheses though, yep. are fans of The Simpsons. Now that show may not be something Jacob watches with his new child. It is anytime soon. It already has been. So, <laughs> so of these perhaps more suitable shows. What do you think uh, would be fun to watch for Jacob's family? Uh, SpongeBob SquarePants. So I, I don't really watch this. I have like the, the stuff I've seen of it has been pretty great. Um, and it's, it's more like, I think it just was, it just sort of passed me by, but there was a time in like the early, in like 2001 ish, I was living with my brother for a while and he had younger kids and I like sat down and watched SpongeBob with them uh, a few times and it, it was hilarious. And I was like, this is great. And I, I enjoy the memes now. Uh, there's so many SpongeBob memes. So popular with I, the kids. I, I'm down with SpongeBob. It's just it's just not something I really watch. But for sure, like that that's something to watch. That that's that's great. Uh, I have seen a few episodes. I I was I remember my brother watched it a lot, and he was of that age where he was too old for it, but like it was kind of cool to like it in that kind of weird way. Uh, so I would watch it now and then when he had it on. I, I have nothing against it, so it probably will happen. Yep. Mm-hmm. Any version of the Muppets show, sure. Yeah, yeah. that's classic stuff. Uh, I, I would appreciate if if your uh, child would end up with a sense of humor like Statler and Waldorf. Uh, that oh, would yeah. be wonderful. <laughs> uh, that'd be good. I love it. Any penis related cartoon show? I never got into like the series, the sort of I don't know how yeah. many episodes there were, but the yeah. specials are are mandatory. I think. Oh, yeah, the, yeah, the specials are like staples, right? Like uh, depending on the time of the year, there, there's there's one for quite a few seasons. So uh, seasons of the year, not I don't really recall their watching um, like a, a peanut series so much as the the annual specials or, uh, you know, the ones they just show annually. Uh, but back, I forgot back to the Muppets. I think Muppet babies count. I did watch that, uh, and like, I don't know if that's, it's probably on Netflix or something, but that, that was always fun too. Uh, the, uh, tying those two together, a Muppet Christmas Carol is literally an annual watching for Melissa. So I'll be, uh, joined there and I'm sure, uh, Ellie will follow along. I know I've seen that, uh, but it's been a long time, so I think I have to bust it out this year. That's pretty good. So yeah, probably all of these still a ways away before she can comprehend TV. And then from what I understand from my other young parent friends, uh, Daniel Tiger is what will invade my life shortly thereafter. So Okay. Nice. Yep. What about what about Peppa Pig? You... Uh, that 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 has come up, but but we'll see. I've just, yeah. I've been told Daniel Tiger good and avoid Caillou. Those are the mm. two things I've been told. My cousin, uh, his two daughters, they watched a lot of Peppa Pig. They might still do, um, but um, <laughs> they yeah, might still uh, do. I like that. Well, yeah. Well, <laughs> no, I, I say that because I haven't exactly like been o- I been over there because you know we're in a pandemic and haven't really been visiting folks uh, a ton. But I, I assume they still watch it. But like you never know. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, that that was that's that's sort of fun. I, I, I it's not the worst. Question number C. Today is the 14th anniversary of one of the best games I ever saw in person, the 4 plus 1 game. Now, since I was at the game and technology being what it was, I did not read Dodger Thoughts until I got home and Twitter had just launched in July 2006. I have a really good note on that. Uh, so uh, that was not really placed in Gidget. What are your memories of that night? Uh, were you watching uh, Alon or something else? 
I was trying to think. So, so in 06, I would imagine I, I had a Palm Trio at, at one point, like through work. And uh, I believe you would have had to have that level of phone to even like load Dodger Thoughts, which is, uh, you know, how we would have sort of followed along back then. Um, but yeah, I certainly, I was home. I, I lived in San Diego at the time. So I had the Padres broadcast. Uh, so I didn't get the Vince Scully call till later. Um, I, <laughs> I have sort of, it's sort of funny. Like I was uh, watching in my, I had one bedroom apartment. I was watching on the couch in the living room. And then once, so the Padres scored like three runs in the top of the ninth against Takashi Saito to make it 9-5. Uh, fun anecdote there. He went exactly one calendar year before allowing more than one run in a game again. And the, when he did it the next year, it was a Todd Helton walk-off when the Rockies, it was Rocktober, and they won like 22 out of 23 or something to get to the World Series. But uh, back to 06, so it's 9 to 5. So I, I, I believe I angrily turned the TV off. I went in the other room, and uh, because we haven't had an explicit tag in a while, I just I went to take a shit. And um, so there are non-explicit uh, ways to say that. I, I guess, but it, it's it's more fun. Uh, but anyway, so I'm just sitting there and like, I, like I, I can't. I don't think I was like mad at the game. They were in the pennant race or division race, but, so like it was thing. But like I think I was just like, well, what a dumb game. Like they they should have won. And then um, at some point uh, when I was done with my business, uh, I got a text from a friend I worked with, and he's like. Are you effing kidding me? I can't believe I just edited that out after I said that. But anyway, um, so I, I, I was like, what? He's like, turn the game on. I turned it on um, just in time for uh, as Marlon Anderson was batting. So I saw the fourth home run. Um, and then I watched the rest of the game, obviously. But like, it was like, oh, okay, cool. Like, <laughs> that, that's weird. But yeah, that that was that was my four plus one story. I I can't remember what I saw live. That would have been um, really shortly after I started my first quarter at UCLA, which was a and, and like moved out with my girlfriend at the time. Like it was an extremely busy time, so I was definitely not watching the game live. Was paying attention. Um, I I can't rem- I definitely didn't see the four home runs. I know that, and I'm sad about that. And I can't remember how I stayed up to the date with the Dodgers at the time was the live a live journal community. Uh, I recall. Oh heck yeah! Uh, and I remember seeing a picture of the scoreboard, um, and that's what made me either go watch the No More Homer live and uh, like the the tenth inning, or just start watching highlights and videos. Um, mm-hmm. I I. It must have been just highlights and videos because I think I would have been more excited, but it is definitely a blurry time. My note on the uh, Dodger thoughts on reading it on your phone is I wrote a script, a little like silly PHP script, I think, that scraped Baseball Toaster's comments and reformatted oh. them for a iPhone-friendly format. Wow. Obviously not in for, the, for this game because the iPhone wasn't out yet, but um, for in 08 and 09, so I could actually read those. Um, maybe reply, maybe not reply, but at least read the comments uh, very easily because I remember the to- the toaster site was not super iPhone friendly at the time. So, I mean, well, and like there wasn't that was like a new thing. Like, who who would make something to be a phone yeah. friendly? What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> it's on a computer, idiot. Like, yeah. <laughs> I don't uh, question D. I don't think I'm exaggerating to say that despite the Dodgers returning all their key position players without Mookie Betts, this team would not be in the position to do all they can to win a World Series this year. Jacob and Eric, if you had to rank Betts's five tools, put them in order of what has pressed you the most. Mm, okay. Hammer. Um, uh-huh. <laughs> wrench. Uh, no, okay. We're going to do a draft of uh, tools. Augur. No. Um, so, you know, I I want to say I think fielding is first for me. Only because only because it's it's like the most visually impressive um, or like so- soothing is probably the best word. Like uh, fielding. Like it's interesting because I'm almost the opposite, but not not as a judgment of of what they actually are. Just in that, 
I've always found outfield fielding outside of like the spectacular yeah. diving catches, yeah. um, which don't always happen and aren't always indicative of actually a good um, fielding tool, um, are translate the least to TV. Like sometimes that the camera doesn't pan over in time until you see what could look like kind of, oh, that's an easy catch. Um, but a great fielder breaks to it super quick and stuff like that. Um, and, and so, yeah. And so, but I think that's part of it. Like it's, it's that every time the camera eventually pans to the, to right field, Mookie Betts is always, <laughs> almost always like, and it's like gliding there. He's not, mm-hmm. he's not like at the end of a long run. That's almost what uh, I was going to say is like, and that's, yeah. it, it, this is a big reason why, you know, errors are, are, are poo-pooed. And we talked about this a little bit last week is yeah. that he makes it look effortless. So effortless. Yeah. Like, doesn't look like he's doing this great, impressive thing. But like you said, when you really think about it, and especially if you can, the more of it you see, especially on replays, the more obvious it is of just how good it is. Yeah. And, and, so I would probably, so that that's for me, I, I can remember like maybe he's probably made a, I'm not going to say he's like perfect. I think he's made a couple like misplays I can remember but like th- that'll happen, right? Like that's just a thing that happens. But just generally, like he's he seems very smooth out there. Now it was a close call for me because I think running is second um, for me in in that um, he's just he seems to like his instincts are wonderful, um, and he's always like ready to take an extra base uh, if necessary. Um, he stole three bases the other day. Um, like, and it wasn't like, uh, it wasn't, uh, like two in one inning or anything. It was three different times. I think, I think three different pitchers, um, just sort of a weird thing. Um, and then just in like, he, I believe opening day, he scored the go ahead run on like a ground. Uh, it was an infield ground ball when he was at third, uh, where he just sort of broke for home. That's like an exciting play, and it's just stuff like that. He he makes things look exciting, and that's more most evident when he's running. It so like, I I don't know if like hit tool and hitting for power, like Craig mentioned, that they're obviously two different tools. I, I guess the power is because he's hitting so many home runs. Uh, I, I believe we could say this without <laughs> breaking major league role. Yeah, he has 16 home runs now. He started the day with 15. Um, so like that's a lot. Uh, <laughs> and, and like I, I don't like even like he hit 30, 32, I think, in his MVP year in 18. So like that to me seemed like the around like the the peak of his like home run hitting power. He'll hit a lot of doubles all the time. But like the fact that he has like 16 in what are they, this is their 52nd game, so that's like it's it's a 48 to 50 home run pace. Obviously, pace doesn't equal doing it, but the fact that 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 is there in a such a relatively small body is kind of amazing. Um, so that's that's probably third, and I guess hitting. Um, is probably fourth, I guess, is next in line. He, uh, you know, I don't know if hitting in with runners in scoring position is necessarily is a skill. It's just more reflective of what you do. But, you know, he's a guy where I think he's hitting like 450 or something with runners in scoring position this year. Obviously, small sample size. That's been really good. He had the one amazing throw in Arizona, but just generally, uh, he had a throw yesterday where I think it was on a sack fly. He, he didn't get the runner at home. But he threw it to. It was like, uh, it was a like a, a cutoffable throw, and thrown such a way where it, the runner at first could not advance uh, to second. So he, it's it's always seems like he's always making the right play to make sure like that has the maximum advantage, and like that's like the total package. I think maybe all of it is more most impressive. But if I had to rank him, that, that's sort of the order I would say. Yeah, I think, like you said, it's the whole package. Ranking it is is sort of silly. I I was gonna go with hit tool uh, first, mm-hmm. only taking kind of a liberal definition of it in that I'm including approach, I'm including you know the ability to take a walk in that since it doesn't yep. really fit anywhere else, and I'm including yeah just the sort of situal waste situal situality <laughs> the the ability like hitting a runner in his scoring position doing so from the lead off from a leadoff hitter 
um, and just generally just how he looks, which, is, you know, it's everything we've heard, right? Uh, and then maybe more so, um, especially in the power so far this year, is just like how much of a total package it is and how effortless he makes it all look while we, while we all know, hopefully, that it's not effortless and he's working extremely hard. Um, but because he puts in on that work, um, it becomes across so polished. Um, yeah. 12 more years. <laughs> it's just kind of amazing, to be honest. Yeah, it's, it's weird. Final one question. Of few, oh, one, oh. one of the few, one of the actual redeeming qualities of 2020. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, what is, was your go-to snack to buy at your grammar, middle school, or high school snack bar? We had apple machines. Uh, but my favorite was the Swiss cookies. We also had those big sweet rolls, uh, and that was a special treat at recess. Uh, that made me think of honey buns and mm-hmm. I, I don't remember those always being available at school that we certainly had either, I think like vending machine type thing in, in, um, junior high. And then we, there was like a, um, uh, like a little snack bar in high thing in high school, uh, to get stuff. My favorite of all of those was a, um, a glazed sugar cookie uh, that they, they made at the snack bar in high school. Um, and we actually had like, I believe we had a like snack period or like it was like a snack break. Yeah. In It was probably in between like second and third period, if I remember correctly, where it was like a little bit longer and we would always go. And so um, it was like a, I think it was a dollar 25 for the cookie. And it was a great cookie. It was just like a standard sugar cookie with like icing on it. But like it was, it was awesome and very. It was just great. And but the the my favorite part was the lady who worked it was like the nicest old lady, um, just the friendliest person you could imagine. And no matter what your total was, she would she would always say dollar bill afterwards. So she'd be like, "Oh, that's a dollar twenty five dollar bill today." And then uh, and then she'd take your money or whatever. Um, and just a delightful lady. And that, that that's my memories of that. So that, that that's probably my my go to. I ate like so much garbage in high school. Oh, no question. And junior, junior high too. Like I, I remember we had, um, I know we had Coke bending machines around. Uh, and at some point, I don't remember which year. It may have been multiple years in, in junior high. We would do races uh, where we would get, we would see who could chug Coke the fastest. And, and sometimes it was chugging whatever you had like on hand. So like if you get a Gatorade, like a, a canned Gatorade or like, you know, whatever they had or whatever. But I was really good at that. <laughs> and uh, so that was like a thing. So I guess that counts probably too. But yeah, just absolute garbage eaters uh, just for for a solid uh, portion there in, in like junior high and high school. So my regular lunch was extreme hot Doritos Shock nice. tarts and a code red Mountain Dew oh, to give you an idea. <laughs> wow, like just hitting all the food groups there. Um, good lord. <laughs> uh, uh, I, my favorite answer though it was a, a really rare thing in elementary school. They had a snack cart and um, they had these Taz themed chocolate. They called them milkshakes, but they weren't. It was basically chocolate milk but i don't know if it was sweeter or creamier or what they did to make it just closer to a milkshake than doing chocolate milk even if it wasn't a shake and mm-hmm. on really cold days and they would they had them in the snack cart like a dozen times and on a really cold day it actually would like pseudo freeze and almost become a milkshake and that was those were special treats so i'll go with that um, this doesn't. This is completely, uh, almost completely off topic. But just this, for some reason, this reminded me of that I was thinking. So at some point in elementary school lunch, we were all in the, like the the cafeteria room or whatever, and you'd go through and you'd get your lunch. And they used to have, I believe, we. I remember going back up to the, like the line, and if they had like extra, like either milk or orange juice or something. Like we would ask if they had any extra, they would like give you some for free. And I always like, even if I didn't want, it was like it just felt good getting something free. Um, but that that sort of uh, like reared its head again in 
freshman year of high school, campus was closed to uh, for freshmen, but we snuck off a lot and walked because uh, it was close to um, Straw Hat Pizza, uh, which was just down the street. And they had a deal where it was they'd make these little mini pizzas like the size of a paper plate. Um, it was that a cheese mini pizza and a Coke was a dollar twenty five. And a pepperoni pizza and a Coke was a dollar fifty, so it's like the, the greatest deal that you can imagine. They and they were just cranking those things out. So the and the best part was, you know, you you go and spend like you know three bucks and have like you know a king's ransom uh, for lunch, and uh, and then at the end near the end of lunch period, you'd go back up to the the counter and be like, hey, do you have any extras? And they're like, here, have this one because they made too many. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so. Always trying to get free food. That was that was sort of the goal, and uh, I love it all. I'm gonna go have uh, some free food. It's free because it's in my fridge. I didn't. I'm gonna I'm gonna go buy a honey bun now that uh, Craig reminded me of these wonderful, terrible snacks. Um, so go go eat something with sugar in it, everybody, and we'll uh, talk to you next week.